This is Project Keto. I'm your host, Madeline Evergreen. This podcast is a result of my lifelong experience searching for the answers to my health struggles. I'm here to teach you the how-tos, practical tips, and tactics to eating a ketogenic diet. No more deprivation or confusion when it comes to your amazing body. Let's jump right into today's episode. Hello, friends. We are back for Season 6 of Project Keto Podcast, a brand new season. Can you even believe that we are already on Season 6? This is so exciting. Now, this season is called Back to the Basics. So every single season so far, we've had a theme, we've had a focus, but it's time now to go all the way back to the basics, not only of keto, But even deeper than that, all the way back to the basics of understanding how your body works and how to have true, real, amazing, perfect health. So by the end of this season, hopefully you feel like you've had a masterclass in blood sugar, insulin, how digestion works, so many more aspects of biologically and chemically what happens in your body but then also all of the practical tips and the tactics and the tricks for getting yourself to actually implement the information. So today's topic will be blood sugar and insulin. And we already talked about this in one of the very first episodes of season one. But today we are going to be going a little bit deeper. And this is an opportunity to recap for those of you who haven't listened to that episode in quite a while. Before we start in, though, I'm going to just give a little update about what's going on in my life, what I've been up to, and right now, I'm actually recording this in a closet in Iowa. I I live in Minneapolis, so I don't live in Iowa, but I'm here for a couple of days because my mom and my stepdad bought a house way up in these gorgeous hills right on the Mississippi River, and it's just amazing. There's breathtaking views. It's in kind of a woodsy area. There's deer, there's turkeys, there's all kinds of animals out there, and there's even a pumpkin patch full of pumpkins. And if anybody knows me, you know that I love gardening, and I've always wanted a pumpkin patch, but my yard in Minneapolis is way too small for that. So I'm super excited to be helping out with this pumpkin patch. But besides that, it is Christopher and my one-year anniversary while we're here. So we're going to be celebrating together by doing some hiking, making some amazing food, enjoying time together in nature. And I'm just so excited. I can't even believe we've been married for a year. It feels like our wedding was just maybe a couple of weeks ago. And then one more update is that my homeschool course, Eat Well, Feel Great, has started and we had our very first in-person class a couple of days ago. And it was wonderful. I met all the students. Uh, We had a really good lesson. Everybody came really prepared and really involved and it was great. I didn't have a clue what to expect from these students, but I was blown away. I was actually really impressed that they all... um, were so knowledgeable and so willing to learn and so smart. So that's great news. But we'll go into today's topic now, which is blood sugar and insulin. Now, there are a couple of diagrams that you may want to be following along with. So I will include those on the webpage for this podcast. And you can find all of the information for this episode at projectketopodcast.com backslash episodes, backslash 
S6E1. So that stands for Season 6, Episode 1. I'm going to say it one more time, projectketopodcast.com backslash episodes backslash S6E1. And that's where you're going to find some of these diagrams that will be really helpful for you to follow along with as you're reading or listening or um, just go back and review another time. But how exactly does blood sugar work and how does insulin work? Well, if you were to have um, a meal that would be high in carbs and sugar, so that might be something like pancakes or bananas with low-fat yogurt and toast with margarine, or it could be something like potatoes or pasta or a sandwich, anything that would be a lot of carbs or sugar, maybe some popcorn. You eat that food and then your blood sugar will rise. And I can't tell you exactly what number it will rise to, but that's something you could measure by pricking your finger and measuring your blood sugar or your glucose. By the way, blood sugar and glucose are going to be interchangeable. They're the same thing. So whenever you hear those two words, just know they're the same. But you eat the high-carb food or the high-carb and high-sugar meal, your blood sugar will rise. And let's pretend like it shoots up to about 200. Maybe it even goes higher than that. But we'll say about 200. So then what happens? Then insulin is secreted, so that means it's put out, to move the sugar into your cells where it produces energy. So you have cells all over your body, and you don't even need to fully understand what a cell is or how it works to get this concept. But just know that you've got these cells all over your body, and the blood sugar needs to go inside of the cell so that the cell can produce energy, or ATP. Now, how does the sugar get inside of the cell? It doesn't just float on in by itself. Insulin is like a key. So insulin unlocks the cell. Insulin is a hormone. It unlocks the cell, and it allows the blood sugar or the glucose to go inside of the cell. So then after that happens, blood sugar drops. So maybe it shot up to 200. Insulin was secreted. The sugar moved into the cell. And now it's not in the bloodstream, so blood sugar levels drop. And it's probably going to drop quite low to the point where you have a pretty uncomfortable reaction. Like, have you ever felt hangry, like that combination of angry and hungry? Or have you ever felt that feeling where you just absolutely have to eat some chips or some popcorn or, or some toast or some cereal like right now and you can't even help it or you can't even stand it and you just need to eat something sweet or something high in carbs or you're not going to be able to function? Or maybe you feel tired and really sluggish or you get a little bit of a headache a little bit after you eat a meal, like maybe 30 minutes, maybe an hour after, that could be a sign that your blood sugar has plummeted down down way too low. So maybe it went down to something like 60 or even 65. And when that happens, you're in a little bit of a danger zone or you're heading that direction and your body knows that you need to bring your blood sugar up a little bit. So that's why it's so smart and it's encouraging you to eat something sweet or something high in carbs. So then you do it. But you probably don't just eat two pieces of popcorn or one bite of toast or, you know, one 
spoonful of cereal, you probably eat a lot more than that because you're ravenous. Then the blood sugar shoots up again really high, like maybe 250, maybe 150, something like that. And then insulin is secreted to move the sugar into your cells where they produce energy. And then your blood sugar drops way too low and maybe it's down around 60 or 65 or even 68 and you're feeling pretty bad and you're getting the cravings or you're feeling exhausted and you feel like if only you could have some chocolate covered peanuts then you wouldn't be so tired and then your blood sugar shoots up and it's this roller coaster. So if you're looking at any of the diagrams on the show page, you're seeing this big wavy line up and down, up and down like a big roller coaster. And we're going to be referring to the blood sugar roller coaster for the whole rest of season six and you're going to get really familiar with that blood sugar roller coaster term. You don't want to be living on a blood sugar roller coaster. That's a pretty uncomfortable life. And unfortunately, most people, especially people that eat a standard American diet, are living on a blood sugar roller coaster chronically, day in and day out. And that's not a very good thing. You would want your blood sugar to always be hovering somewhere between 70 and 90. 85 is like the golden number that we would all kind of shoot for, but 70 to 90 is a fabulous range to be hovering in. So to get that to happen, you have to prioritize eating lots of protein and lots of healthy fats and minimize the carbs. Now, if you're not totally sure exactly which foods are carbs and sugar, which foods are fats and which foods are proteins, don't worry. Next week, we're going to be talking all about which foods are carbs and how do we learn about those, how do we deal with the carbs. Don't worry about that right now. Today, you're just getting the understanding about how blood sugar and insulin work. So if you were to eat a meal that's very low in carbs, like maybe you have a big bowl of ground beef with some salad on the side, lots of leafy greens and some peppers and mushrooms and avocado and then a whole bunch of olive oil and vinegar and spices and Himalayan salt all over that. If you would eat a meal kind of like that, then your blood sugar is probably going to be starting at, you know, let's guess about 80. You eat the meal and maybe your blood sugar goes up to about 84 and then not much happens. And then after a while, it comes down to maybe 82 or 79. And then your next meal might be something like three eggs cooked in butter with some salsa or tomatoes added in and some onions, some peppers, some broccoli, some spinach, and a lot, there's a lot of butter in that. So it's a kind of a good amount of fat. Maybe you eat that egg dish and same thing, your blood sugar is going to hover maybe up around 86 or 84. And then it comes down to maybe, you know, 80, 78, something like that. And if you're looking at this graph in the show page, you see that very mild waving line. It's very toned down, subtle, mild. That's where we're all going to be striving to be all the time. Now, why does this even matter? Well, if you're living on this blood sugar roller coaster and you're producing so much extra blood sugar or glucose that your cells don't need to take all that in. Because remember, 
insulin is moving the sugar into your cells to produce energy. So if your cells get already like stuffed up with sugar and they don't need any more, well, that extra blood sugar, where does it go? It doesn't just sit in your bloodstream. It's going to be turned into triglycerides in your liver. So if you've ever gotten blood work done, and you had the like the cholesterol panel, hopefully you have a triglycerides number and you definitely want to check that out. And your triglycerides should be below 60. Most people have no idea that their triglycerides are up at 150, 200, 300. That's going to be the most important number on that panel. And you want to make sure to, to do whatever it takes to bring your triglycerides down. And the good thing is, it's quite easy and it does happen kind of rapidly for most people. Decreasing your triglycerides is just a matter of decreasing sugar and carb intake, but also eliminating a lot of the bad fats like seed oils. So something like canola oil or grapeseed oil or any kind of damaged fats, which we'll be getting into in future episodes. But for today, for sure, understanding that eliminating or decreasing the sugar and the carbs will instantly start lowering your triglycerides. And that's what you're going to be aiming for. Now, why does all of this matter? Other than just feeling good, like feeling steady energy, steady moods, zero food cravings, those are benefits. But other than that, by adopting this lifestyle, you are preventing yourself from getting chronic diseases like diabetes. So if you're living on a blood sugar roller coaster or you have chronically elevated triglycerides, that is the fast track to type 2 diabetes. So if you're wanting to avoid that, this episode is perfect for you. Now, what kinds of problems do we have with excess insulin? Well, insulin is a major hormone. Did you know that? Did you know that insulin is a hormone? Most people have no idea. Of course, you have other hormones, like you have adrenaline. That's another major hormone. You have estrogen and testosterone and progesterone. Those are some of your sex hormones, but those are actually minor hormones, believe it or not. So you must fix insulin issues before you can address any other hormone problems. Hormones are a hot topic, and it seems like everybody wants to get their hormones tested and do something about their hormones. But if you're serious about that, you have to take insulin seriously. And if you have chronically high insulin or you're chronically on a blood sugar roller coaster, then you are going to have hormone problems all over the board. So if you don't address the insulin, it's not going to work to address something like estrogen, testosterone, or progesterone issues or hormone-related problems. Hormones completely dictate if you will burn or store fat and also where you store fat. They're going to dictate if you're ravenous or if you're satisfied and so much more. So we've got to take this very seriously. Now, you can go and get a fasting insulin level done to see where you're at. This would be another blood test. And you need to be between 2 and 5. That would be an ideal 
fasting insulin level between two and five, not higher than that. Lots of people are walking around with a fasting insulin level of 18 or 20 or 25, and that means that you are probably pre-diabetic and on the fast track to type 2 diabetes. So go and get that level done. And if you absolutely can't find a doctor who will order the level for you, because unfortunately a lot of doctors won't do this, then you can reach out to me and I'll help direct you to where you can get a fasting insulin level done. And you need to use those words when you ask your doctor. Say, a fasting insulin level. Almost every client that I've ever worked with goes to their doctor to ask for that and their doctor gives them something else, like they'll uh, do a fasting glucose level or something else, and that's not what you asked for. So you have to make sure it's a fasting insulin level. So that would be a fabulous thing for everybody to go out and find out for themselves. But if you're not going to do that, then just ask yourself if you're feeling like you have these waves of energy, like where you have high energy and then low energy throughout the day, or food cravings, or if you get hangry. However, you can still have a high fasting insulin level if you don't have those other symptoms. So just beware. Also remember that having chronically high insulin is inflammatory, and that is a lead right into heart disease by damaging the arterial walls. So there's this, uh, like, there's these three pillars or like a three-legged stool to something like heart attacks or heart disease or inflammatory heart conditions. Here's the little three-legged stool for that. Chronically high triglycerides, we talked about that. Chronically high fasting insulin level and chronically high blood sugar or glucose. So if you are working on decreasing inflammation or avoiding heart disease or heart attacks, you would want to bring down the triglycerides, the fasting insulin, and the blood sugar levels. Now let's talk a little bit about problems with excess blood sugar. We already discussed that having high and low blood sugar on and off all day long contributes to cravings and mood swings. You already know that. But eating excess sugar all the time also feeds bad bacteria in your gut and it crowds out the good organisms. An imbalance of ecology in your gut means decreased immunity, decreased serotonin. That's the chemical that makes you feel good. It leads to depression, it contributes and causes irritable bowel syndrome, diverticulitis, leaky gut, SIBO, and many other gastrointestinal problems. We're going to be talking about so much more of that later in this season. Too much sugar also feeds cancer. Cancer absolutely loves sugar and it thrives on it. So if you're working on avoiding cancer or you're actually in cancer treatment, cut out the sugar completely. Sugar is also very inflammatory, so it ages you in a lot of different ways. We already talked about the heart disease. It definitely increases your chances of that, increases the chances of arthritis, achy joints, skin problems, autoimmune problems, and most all chronic diseases. Sugar also pulls out or leaches the minerals from your body. So the more sugar that you eat, the more minerals you're going to be losing. That's not a good thing. Sugar decreases your immunity. And just think about all of the times where you were sick and you had a glass of orange juice because you think that it might be high in vitamin C, but then you're also feeling really 
you know, crummy and your throat hurts so you're having a lot of popsicles or ice cream or fruit smoothies or maybe you're just snacking all day on peanut butter and crackers or chips or, or comfort foods and you're at home laying on the couch and really loading up on the carbs and sugar, maybe cookies, that's a great way to decrease your immunity. So it's not just while you're sick, but before you get sick, you would want to eliminate or decrease the sugar so that you have a much stronger immune system. Sugar makes it much more difficult for your white blood cells to work properly. And then why why would we even be having sugar and carb cravings other than just because you're on the blood sugar roller coaster? We talked about that. Well, excessive dopamine, which is a pleasure chemical, dopamine makes us feel a lot of pleasure. The response to chemicals put in food is to make you hyper-respond and want more and more and more. So many foods, especially foods that are high in sugar and carbs, are going to be very addictive and make you respond over the top and want to keep eating more. And they are going to be causing this dopamine response that makes you feel good. So it's actually a chemical problem why people want to just keep eating the processed foods. An imbalance of neurotransmitters, so these would be chemicals like serotonin, dopamine, tyrosine, melatonin, all of those, even oxytocin. An an imbalance of all of that makes you crave carbs, sugar, and caffeine. And it can also make you crave things like excessive amounts of TV or screen time. It can make people be addicted to substances like cigarettes or alcohol or drugs or video games even sex. So most addictions are actually a problem or an imbalance with your brain chemicals, your neurotransmitters. So those would be some big reasons for the sugar and carb cravings. And then what can you even do about that? Let's go through some ideas of what to do when you're just stuck in this constant rut of sugar and carb cravings. First of all, Start out your day with a nice high-protein, high-fat breakfast if you're somebody who eats breakfast. It doesn't matter what time, just whenever you're going to eat your first meal, make sure it's a high-protein, high-fat meal. Avoid the carbs, avoid sugary fruit, grains, low-fat dairy, you know, all of that. Just avoid all of that and go for something higher in protein and higher in fat. So what are some ideas? Well, we talked about having maybe three eggs with butter, spinach, broccoli, olives, mushrooms, and some avocado. Maybe you eat bacon and eggs and berries. Berries are pretty low in carbs and sugar. Maybe you make some bulletproof ice cream. That's a recipe that you can look up. It's from um, Dave Asprey from his Bulletproof brand. He has a wonderful ice cream recipe, and it's full of a ton of raw eggs and tons of fat. So that would actually be appropriate to eat for breakfast. You could make a bunch of meat with vegetables on the side, or you could make a protein shake. And we have a little freebie today. If you go to the show page, projectketopodcast.com backslash episodes backslash S6E1, go there and you can download a free protein shakes recipe document handout from me. So this includes three different shake recipes and it includes a lot of suggestions of protein powders and brands to go for and variations on these shakes so you can become an expert in shakes for yourself. But beware when you're choosing a brand of protein powder, make sure that you're not choosing whey. We won't be getting into a huge discussion on whey in this episode, but for one thing, 
it gets absorbed so quickly that it ends up actually causing some insulin problems and some glucose problems, even though it's not a high-carb food. And then second thing, almost everybody is very sensitive to dairy, including whey. So you may want to just skip that. Don't even try whey. And then in that um, Protein Shakes handout you could download, there are suggestions on some super healthy, high-quality protein powders. Some of them are pretty basic, and some of them are a lot fancier and have like some detox benefits and some anti-inflammatory benefits. So you can choose the one that you like for you. But um, be sure you're not choosing a shake that's going to be sweetened with artificial sweeteners or sugars or um, has a lot of grams of carbs in it. I would say to aim for less than 10 grams of sugar or carbs in your shake if you can. And you can just look at the shake canister, read the label. We'll be having a future episode all about how to read food labels, so stay tuned for that. And then aim to get about 20 to 30 grams of protein in your shake. And I'm not even going to give you an amount of grams of fat because everybody's so different. So just follow those recipes and alter the amount of fat in them like um, coconut milk or MCT oil or you could add avocado. Those are some fat suggestions for the shakes and everybody's really different. So some people need more, some people need less, but you should feel like after you have a shake, you're satisfied all the way until your next meal. So maybe like four hours later, something like that, maybe even longer for some people. And then yes, these shake recipes are one serving. So most people make these and they see how big they are and how filling they are and it is all for one person so keep that in mind as well so that was just one way to do something about sugar cravings and that was to eat a high protein high fat meal for your first meal of the day another idea for reducing sugar and carb cravings would be to remove all foods with fake chemicals, so all processed foods. That would be foods that you typically buy in a box or a carton or a bag, something that when you flip it over and look at the ingredients list, it's pretty high. There's a lot of ingredients on that list and maybe a lot of ingredients that you can't pronounce or you don't know what they are. Instead, choose to eat foods with only one ingredient, like beef or broccoli or raspberries or salmon or butter. Those are all pretty basic foods. Now another idea would be to eat some treats that you make that are made without sugar, grains, or chemicals. And there's lots of recipes that you can look up. I love to go to Pinterest and just type in something like keto chocolate bar recipe or fat bomb recipes or it could be a keto grain-free, no-sugar chocolate cake recipe. And typically when I find recipes like that, they're not perfect and I have to make some alterations or some adjustments. And if you feel like you just are not very good at finding recipes or you're not very good at altering them, then hang tight because next week when we talk about sugar and carbs, I'm going to be giving you all of the information about what sweeteners to go for that aren't sugar or artificial sweeteners or something that's going to be damaging for your health. And in future episodes, I will be sharing some recipes with you as well. 
Another idea for decreasing sugar cravings would be to increase your serotonin and dopamine. Remember that those are feel-good chemicals. So they're chemicals in your body. You make them in your gut, believe it or not. They travel to your brain and then they make you feel really good. And you can increase your serotonin and dopamine with exercise, with sunshine, or a full spectrum light, like a lamp that you look at in the morning. Um, You can increase your serotonin and dopamine by eating good protein at all of your meals and increasing healthy fats. So don't take those suggestions lightly. I know, I know you've heard it for your whole life to get exercise and spend time in the sun, but it's serious and it doesn't need to be an hour at the gym. It doesn't have to be powerlifting. It doesn't have to be cardio. It doesn't have to be something tricky. Just getting your serotonin and dopamine to increase would be like doing a short burst of something intense. Like you could go outside and run up a hill or run up and down your staircase three times. Or you could do one Tabata. So in this episode, we won't be going all into how Tabatas work, but look it up. It's spelled T-A-B-A-T-A. It's four minutes of high-intensity intervals that you can do on your own, and you don't have to be athletic or skilled. You don't even have to have legs or arms. Anybody can do a Tabata. You just need to find an exercise that's going to be up to your highest intensity. Um, It could be something like getting down on the floor and doing some push-ups or some burpees. It doesn't have to be a full-out long exercise session or a big protocol just to get your happy and feel-good chemicals going. It just needs to be something that's a burst of something intense for a short period of time. Everybody has time to do that, and everybody has a body that can do that. You could even sit and squeeze all of your muscles as hard as you can for 30 seconds if you're not able to get up off the couch or get out of bed. That's something that you could do. Or you could sit in a chair and pull on some resistance bands as hard as you can for one minute. So I can pretty much guarantee all of those things would be intense for most people. Another way to decrease sugar and carb cravings would be to decrease your stress. And I know, I know, again, this is something that everybody is always saying, to decrease your stress. But it's serious. If you're walking around with a lot of emotional stress or physical stress like pain or achy joints or muscle aches or it could be chemical stresses like you're filled with toxins or you're exposed to scents like you have air fresheners and you use Febreze and you use scented dryer sheets and scented uh, bath and beauty products that would be a chemical stress on your body so you need to focus on decreasing stress and that could even be um, telling yourself to get more sleep going to bed earlier or sleeping in or finding ways to improve your sleep hygiene all of those things are going to help you to decrease your sugar cravings and then gut dysbiosis. So that just means there's too much bad gut bacteria and yeast. That drives cravings for sure. So we're going to be talking a lot more about this in future episodes, but just know that your gut bacteria really does dictate what you think and how you feel, and it kind of dictates your whole personality. So if you are really craving sugar and carbs, it absolutely could be the bacteria in your guts, or it could even be parasites, believe it or not, that are screaming for carbs and sugar because that's what they like to fuel off of. So just know that that might 
might be something for you to address. Now we have a new segment for season six, and this segment is about what I am loving right now. So I'm going to be sharing either a person I'm loving right now, maybe somebody online, maybe an author, maybe you know a host of a podcast, or I'm going to be sharing an appliance or something in my life, you know, a tool, whatever, just something I'm obsessed with and loving right now. So hopefully I can spread the joy. And for me, I am completely loving my new air fryer. And don't turn this off now. It's not your average air fryer talk. I've been wanting an air fryer for like forever, for years, but I haven't gotten one because all of the ones I've seen either have a nonstick coating inside or they're plastic inside where all the heat goes. And that is terrible. You should not be heating plastic. That is a way to leach tons of chemicals and toxins right into your food that you're going to eat. Do not heat up plastic and then eat off of it ever. And then with the nonstick coating, that's really high in chemicals as well. And these kinds of chemicals and toxins cause people to have so many problems, especially hormone problems. So if you're a person who's been struggling with something like getting pregnant, or you have something like PCOS, or really any other hormonal issues, maybe you just have really bad PMS or bad periods or hormonal hormonal acne, or you have a lot of weight around your hips and butt and thighs, or you have really swollen, tender breasts. These are a lot of hormone problems and something that contributes to all of that are toxins, especially toxins from things like plastics, perfumes, scents, you know, chemicals that you would find in beauty products, but also the nonstick coatings on a lot of our cookware. So back to the air fryer, I haven't purchased an air fryer because I'm not going to put up with those problems. But I found a Cuisinart air fryer that is stainless steel inside, and I'm obsessed. I've barely used my stove or my oven since I've gotten this, and it's been like almost a month, maybe three weeks, and I use it for like every time I eat almost. And then guess what else? My mom actually got one, and we got one at work for us to use. And I feel like we're going to need to get one for the Iowa house. It's like, I just can't go without it. I actually brought it with me to this Iowa house because I love it so much, even though we have a kitchen here. And what I like to make in it the best are these little like meat bars or like meat nuggies or chunks or whatever you want to call them. And this is something that I learned from Katie Kelly. Remember, I interviewed her back in season five, um, just a couple of episodes ago, and you can find her on Instagram at little bit of fit and or just look her up um Katie Kelly something like that but she makes these adorable delicious amazing looking meat bars and here's how you do it you take some ground meat so i really like ground beef but you can use any ground meat you like and then just loosely break it apart after you take it out of the package so don't smash it into patties and don't spread it out super super thin but just loosely kind of take it apart so it's in these lumps, place that in your air fryer, turn it to about 400, and I like to cook it for 10 minutes. Mine doesn't need to preheat, but I've heard other types do. And some people like to cook it a little longer to make it crispier. Some people like it less. It's all depending on you, but it's so good. And I've actually found 
that a bunch of you on Instagram that have been following me actually told me that you got this same air fryer as me and you've been making these meat bars or whatever you want to call them and you're loving them too. It's so easy. It's really delicious. It works out every single time. I've also made steaks. I've made pork chops. I make um, Maria Emmerich's proteins bearing modified fast bread and I toast my slices of bread in the air fryer. I've made chicken wings. My mom, she eats a lot of vegetables. She's made, I think, Brussels sprouts and maybe like some I am not sure, but some other vegetables. So it's just such a great thing. And um, it's the Cuisinart brand. They have two different air fryers. I got the one that's $99. It's the smaller and the less expensive one. And it's perfect. And I uh, I think the more expensive one actually has a nonstick coating inside. So don't get that one. But I will link that in today's show page if you'd like to go and check it out. But that's all for today. So I will catch you guys next time where we're going to be talking all about exactly what are carbs and sugars and then how do you even get through life without those things. Don't give up hope if you're feeling like this episode was doom and gloom or bad news for you because believe me, once you figure out how to implement this low carb, zero sugar kind of life, you are going to love it and you'll wonder why you didn't get started sooner. Just trust the process and I will catch you in a week. 